0: Welcome to the Highway I-5 Podcast, where we scour our vinyl collections to bring you great songs by unknown artists and unknown songs by great artists. I'm Joe. I'm Ryan.
1: And you have found the internet's finest source of Christian music today. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we continue our journey into private press records. This is part two of, uh, I guess, a series. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's it's kind of a continuation of the last episode. But before we get into all the great private press and real people music, let's do some trivia. Oh, 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 oh. you know
2: more than I know. You know more
1: Okie dokie, it is my turn to start with trivia And I have an audio quiz for you, Joe So your job is to tell me the name of the artist If you can, tell me the name of the song And at the end, I want you to tell me the theme Alright, here we go Track one Such a
3: three
0: know any of those i think i know i think i'm fairly confident about three to four of them okay well Uh, there's a fifth one that i i know but i just can't the voice is just kind of i'm kind of thrown off so i'm not sure which one that is but i feel okay about it okay well that's uh that's pretty lukewarm but we'll go with it yeah yeah yeah. what are you gonna do yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm generally i'm generally not much more than lukewarm (laughs) all right what you got for me my quiz today is called Amagramophone Amagramophone <laughs> Anagramophone. You've really been stepping up with the uh, quiz titles. I've got, I've got to try to, I've got to try to keep up. If I can't beat you, I might as well come up with a good name. There you go. All right. What you have to do is name the uh, name the artist that I'm going to give you in the form of an anagram. So I'm going to give you the anagram, and you tell me who I who I'm talking about. Holy moly! Do yeah. I get to write them down? I guess we don't have time for that. All right, here we go. Nope. I don't... No, you cannot. Okay, so first one is pubescent ringers. Velvet Underground. No. <laughs> There's no P in Velvet Underground. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to take one more shot, or do you want me to tell you? Rolling Stones? No, I'll give you a hint. All of these are people's names, not band names. Golly, this is tough. Pubescent yeah. ringers? Yep, yep, that's right.
1: <laughs> it's a good anagram.
0: <laughs> all right, I don't get it? it. I'd have to okay. write it down. I'm gonna have to write it down. <laughs> You're not writing any of them down. It's Bruce Springsteen. Shit. Okay. Yeah, good, one. Yeah. good one. Okay. The next one is empty tot. Tom Petty. Yes, it is. Very oh, good. All right, here we go. All right, and I'm starting to warm up here. There you go. All right. The next one is. Raring sort. So
1: hard to do all. (laughs) Yes, it is. Raring sort. Raring sort. It's not that long. It's not coming to me. What do we got? That is
0: Ringo Starr. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, keep going. The next one is Adam's wit. Add like a really tiny thing that you can't see. Tom Waits. There you go. The next one is Handler l Join. John the Hooker? John Darnielle. Or John Darnielle, oh, depending is, on. This is crazy. This is madness. <laughs> you can't do that. All right, go ahead. I got the John. Okay. This one is dual or... Hmm? Dual or, dual or, and it's the or like something that you would uh, go spelunking for. This is madness. <laughs> it is Lou Reed. Oh jeez. Okay, and here here is my favorite one. This is the last one. The Bruce Springsteen one has been my favorite one. Oh, this is better. Okay, this one, this one is Monarch Hat Ninja. Monarch Hat Ninja. Yep.
4: One, two, three, four.
1: Jonathan Richmond. There you go. It's pretty good. Jonathan cute. Richmond.
0: You need to give me clues like that on all of them. Gosh, that would—that's also my Bruce Springsteen voice. So it would have been the same. I would have got it maybe, and maybe my, that might also be my Tom Waits voice.
1: I think that the 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 pronunciation was a little too crisp for uh, Bruce Springsteen. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember the Ben Stiller impression of him? <laughs> that would have been. All right. Anyways. Uh, wow. Great quiz. Um, yeah, I could have done 20 of those, but. Well, uh, you, we'll you do seem to be more fa- quizzes later. Fading fast. So. You are going to get the hardest quiz possible next time. It's going to be brutal. That was real fun, though. Good. And I think that brings us to Turntable Talk.
5: Everybody's talking at me.
1: I don't hear a word the same only the echoes
2: of my mind
1: All right so like I said earlier we're kind of continuing our private press theme which uh, I kind of fell into a wormhole within a wormhole as I was starting to uh, research this <laughs> and I fell into the weird world of um, what is called as Christian music or Jesus music or Jesus people music or gospel beat when you when you look for it online, it's usually uh, abbreviated XIAN music. That's that's what you kind of want to look for, and so it's basically um, Christian music, rock music from the late '60s and the '70s, and a lot of it was kind of private press stuff, as we'll talk about in just a second. And so, uh, before you turn off the podcast, hear me out on this because there is some weird and great stuff. That, that was coming out then. And a lot of the stuff that we've even talked about already with private press has like you know as a, we're a Christian artist. So um, let's let's kind of talk about how this this uh, musical wave came to be and, and where it got us. So uh, before I start I want to start with my favorite quote I found and it's this uh, Christian rock artist named Larry Norman and he um, somewhere said something along the lines of why should Satan get all the good music? And that's basically what Christian music is. This <laughs> Christian music phenomenon was about It's basically an attempt to do a religious conversion on counterculture youth, under the basic fact that music itself is not inherently immoral, you know, and that music could be used as an evangelical tool to turn kids toward God and to towards Jesus and away from sin or like you know recreational drugs and promiscuous sex and, and those sorts of things, and so. It really got started in the late 60s in California. Seventy-five to 100,000 people were thought to have came to San Francisco in 67. That's just a ton of influx of kids, mostly with no money. Isn't that why they named the football team that? The 67ers? Yeah, 67ers. <laughs> okay. And that's, that's why they put the long hair with the headband on, on their helmets. <laughs> so... Yeah, so all these people were flocking to San Francisco in 67 and the streets are just getting flooded with kids. We don't have any clothes, money, job, ambition for the most part. You know, they're, they're doing drugs and having fun. And uh, at some point it just got really, really bad. There was just kids on the street. There's a there was kind of a quip where there was that if you come to San Francisco wear some flowers in your hair and somebody said, No, don't wear flowers in your hair, bring clothes and a sleeping bag and <laughs> So it's just like all these kids are living there. And at first the Christian community just just hated it. Wanted nothing to do with the the hippies. But there was a few young preachers who saw all these kids as a chance to evangelize a bunch of a bunch of new kids and kind of get them into the faith and so a couple of them created a coffee shop which was called the living room where these hippies could come in and they could get food and warmth and they they'd be talked to about Jesus. There's just kind of some charismatic preachers who are kind of leading this idea, and they found out it worked. These kids were so hungry and tired and cold; they just wanted a place to hang out. The first year is open twenty that they think twenty thousand people came into this little coffee shop called the Living Room, and they, you know they were listening to the message and and. They were hanging out and so this model kind of spread throughout churches where they'd open up coffee shops and halfway houses and shelters and hangouts and they'd bring these counterculture hippies who were listening to you know the beatles and the rolling stones and grateful dead and jefferson airplane and they'd bring them in together and they would talk to them about about christian ideals and this became known as the jesus people movement and it really caught fire all across the country one of the big first places Uh, was the Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. It became a hub and was really one of the first places of worship identified for this, you you could call it Jesus Freak or Jesus People movement. And what they noticed is that the kids didn't want to listen to traditional gospel songs or hymns. Go figure. A bunch of hippies don't want to listen to a bunch of... You know, traditional <laughs> traditional hymns But they loved folk music In particular And so they started allowing kids to write their own songs and Or switching the words to, to different sorts of gospel stuff And they eventually had a house band Called Love Song And so kids would love to come and watch This band of, you know Converted hippies play Basically Christian folk music Eventually, this chapel would spend 2500 to release an album that was called the Everlasting Jesus Music Concert, and it was a big hit uh, around San Francisco, and that Calvary Chapel would eventually become a, a label called Marantha Music, which I guess is still a pretty decent sized Christian music label today. This idea, even though it started in California, it spread throughout the country and all this all these kids who are listening to tradition or or listening to modern pop music, these these bands on the radios, started writing music and playing different sorts of music. And really, it it got on this thing where it was it was kind of cool to be into Jesus. It was cool to be a Jesus freak. It was cool to be kind of a, a hippie that loved God. Like most things, it starts kind of really radical, and as it spreads through the country, it gets less and less radical and becomes kind of more modernized. So, as to, to kind of re- relay this all back to the private press thing, as this became popular, um, lots of kids were wanting to make these these albums. The traditional churches really, really did not like it, but it caught on with a lot of people, and I mean, I think they were thinking, well, if these kids are going to be, you know, listening to this horrible music anyways, we might as well, you know, let them listen to Christian music. As this was going on, lots of kids want to do this, and the vanity presses were at their height in the early 70s, so they started making these records by the tons, and they were often paid for by individuals or small churches or youth groups, and... They tended to be kind of saccharine acoustic guitar, poppy folk, you know, just just what you would imagine, like Sunday school stuff. But just like with private press, there is a crazy range of weirdos making this music. And so you have everything from like super hard acid, acid rock psych to British Renaissance festival folk. You know, all about Jesus stuff, and then all in these very small batches that were very regional or localized, maybe pressed a hundred, couple hundred records. It peaked. The whole Jesus freak, Jesus music thing peaked uh, about seventy-two. They had a Christian Woodstock in Dallas, Texas, uh, called Explo uh, seventy-two concert, where <laughs> Not that
0: Godstock,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and they had a bunch of the you know Jesus freak type music. Um, played with like, and they also had like Johnny Cash and Chris Christofferson and some of the more like bigger name pop stars who, who would do Christian music. They had a hundred thousand people at that concert, so it was a huge, huge concert. They didn't call them concert goers, they called them delegates which I thought was kind of, kind of <laughs> cool. Uh, so a couple things tended to, to curb the popularity. One is cults were using a lot of the same <laughs> techniques as far as evangelizing like street people, as particularly the, uh, the Children of God cult was very similar where they had kind of a bunch of hippie-looking uh, hippie kids out on street corners asking for money, playing songs, and then, you know, stealing away kids from their families or whatever. And the other thing is, uh, which happened with the private press, tapes become more popular, so there wasn't as many like vanity record presses. But the big thing that happened is it changed church to be so much more casual and contemporary that what really happened is this kind of crazy, edgy, sometimes Christian music switched into what we now think of as contemporary Christian music, which is pretty much horrible. I mean, I'm sure there's some good stuff, but it's what you think of just the the music you would not want to listen to. And if you think about some of the like mega churches and the real casual churches, a lot of that comes back from that Jesus People movement. So anyways, to get back to the records, there is one guy who's considered kind of like the Paul Major of, uh, of Christian music. <laughs> it's this guy named Ken Scott, and he wrote a book called Archivist. It's currently in its fourth edition, and he reviews over 3,200 Christian records, um, mostly from the late 60s to the early 80s. So, very much of this Jesus People movement time. And he's got all sorts of crazy styles represented in there. There's like specific stuff for like Catholic folk, there's Christian Real People albums, there's like Electric Gospel, Christian Acid Folk Psych. I mean, (laughs) <laughs> just really crazy stuff His reviews are great And he seems like a real Reasonable person As far as like What people could Possibly listen to Because a, a vast majority Of it's just really Forgettable But he, he reviews them And, and he kind of Just like Paul Major And some of the books We talked about last week Will kind of go through Which ones are valuable Which ones are rare What's the backstory. So it's a That's a great asset if you're you know kind of looking for to get into the collecting these sorts of records some of the biggest private press records are basically christian albums if you think about like dr hooker that's basically a christian christian record i mean he's dressed like jesus on the cover bob desper six station even perry leopold sometimes is considered uh, jesus people music so a lot of these big private press records i know they're not big but you know big in the private press world what we're talking about are considered that. The majority of it's not worth listening to, but some of it is amazing. And as Joe and I kind of continue to do this, we keep finding weird stuff. Uh, With all that, I'm going to uh, play you some clips of songs. And I've got a couple songs. I'll play you the full song at the end, but I want to play you some clips of songs and talk about some of my favorite uh, Christian music that we've discovered. So here we go. Played you uh, six songs. These are some of my favorite. My I think my absolute favorite. I played a full track from. But my second favorite would be this first band. They're called the Concrete Rubber Band, and they're a strange synthy, proggy garage music mix. And they're just three people from Kansas. Got some synthesizers and guitars. It's it's a bizarre record, and I can't really explain it. You need to go listen to some of that beyond the clip. The, the The track I played was Risen Savior. The next clip was Wilson McKinney. The name of the song was He. The band this band was released what's considered one of the probably the earliest classic. Psych Christian album, which is called Spirit of Elijah. They're from the Pacific Northwest, and they're basically some studio musicians who hung out together to Christian Coffeehouse and made this album, which is a solid album all the way through and definitely worth listening to if you're into that music. The third song was New Creation with a track called Sodom and Gomorrah. New Creation is basically the Christian shags. <laughs> they're just totally nutty real people I think they're a couple siblings uh, who probably have no business making a record but they made this kind of crazy apocalyptic record that is just is, is almost too bizarre to um, to listen it's too bizarre to describe I think palm or it might have been in the acid archives the reviewer said the female singer there's a guy and a girl who's sang the female singer sounds like a bored housewife who's humming along to kmart music and so it's just. <laughs> It's just it's just a great, great, uh, weird record. Probably the weirdest one out of the ones we found. Uh, the fourth track was a band called Trees Community. The song was Psalm 42. They're kind of a, a culty band. They're out of New York, and they were supported by the Episcopal Church. The Episcopal Church kind of put them up and paid for them because they would go out to Central Park and play like concerts and try to bring people into churches. And they all took vows of poverty and chastity and obedience. Uh, Madeline Engel, the uh, Wrinkle in Time author, was I guess their spiritual advisor. So this is, is it's a really good record. It's kind of a British folky record, but definitely worth a listening to if you're into that sort of music. The fifth track was a band called Fraction. The track was sank Divided, and it's uh, uh, Christian hard rock. It sounds like a like a, a Evangelical Doors or something like that. And uh, the name of the album is Moonblood. And this was a big discovery on private press. A lot of the reason it was so popular, I think, is because it has one of the coolest covers. Um, I'll try to make sure I put up that cover in particular. All these records, not all of them, but most of them have pretty great covers. Just in general, Jesus People music covers are great. The ones you see online a lot are kind of like the goofy gospel records. There's more like traditional gospel and like country where they have the kind of dressed up in the 70s country people looking silly. These ones are not quite like that. Some of them are. They're more like, you know, 70s art and stuff. But yeah,
0: it's worth looking at some of these album covers. They're, they're pretty great. Yeah, it seems like for the most part what you see people posting online for like goofy pictures would be like three guys in suits. Pointing up to the sky And it'll be some Weird title like Let Jesus touch my butt Or something Yeah you know, something like that some euphemism is, Or something strange
1: This is This is kind of A different music In general Because it's more like rock That would be just like Kind of I think they probably There's a little bit of Crossover between them Like I can go to my Goodwill Or my local shop And find a hundred Of those kind of Goofy country records I hope I can go and find some of these weird private press, more Jesus Freak type music. Those th- those ones would be okay with traditional
0: folk. The Jesus Freak ones are a little bit more edgy. But even the album covers themselves, though, like you were saying, these album covers are really cool and weird, whereas those other ones are just goofy and kitschy. Exactly. Are, Ex-
1: yeah. yeah, precisely. The last track I wasn't going to include, but Joe found it yesterday, and I, I just had to put it in. I'll probably post the whole album. It's like 23 five or 24 minutes long. Uh, it's a little band. You might have heard of them before. D. Lemieux and Gian Peter in the Countryside Unitarian Fellowship. And the name of the album is Hey Jesus Christ, Welcome to This World. It's a nativity rock opera. It's a rock
0: opera about the, you know, Jesus' birth. It is amazing. Um, but it's not, even, it's not even about his birth. The entire opera is about them trying to find a place for her to give birth. Like, that's it. They don't actually get... It's it's just. It's like the. There's no room at the (laughs) inn. They do spend. The
1: the vast majority of the time is the conflict between the innkeeper and (laughs) Joseph. Um, And I, I I was playing this for my wife. The funny thing is, I think the guy who played Joseph must have been the writer because the guy who's the innkeeper his voice is a million times better but <laughs> he has this small smart part and
0: Joseph is just singing it is but he puts so much into it like oh that my guy gosh. his voice isn't isn't technically very good but it's these guys are really they believe this and it's really it's impressive
1: all all these records and i probably have not stated this enough they are super sincere and they are super well, people put a lot into them production value and you know all that stuff you can kind of argue but the the people care a lot about it, and it comes through in a lot of these records. Now, I will say that one, it might be the most sincere record I've ever heard. It's like <laughs> it's like he went to Jesus Christ Superstar, like he went to the Broadway show, and then decided he could do it better, and then yeah, he went was, back to his church. He went
0: there and watched it, and he said, fuck this.
1: I got this. He <laughs> said so, so, Well, that covered the death and the resurrection. I'm coming back for the birth. Let's go for a prequel. (laughs) And I think we found this because Paul Major called it his favorite Christian record. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I think one of his favorites. (laughs) of his I think he may have said it was his favorite in an interview that was on in that enjoy the experience book he talks quite a bit about that record and as soon as I read that I had to find it and send it over to you right away it's yeah it's great, it's,
1: it's great. and so I've, I've spent a lot of hours kind of collecting these and making mixes in general I don't think they're as good as most of the just regular private press records you hear. But some of them are as good as anything. And so um, I'm going to save my, my favorite one for the full song, but I'll talk about that later. But a lot of these are, are in the books that Joe mentioned last time, uh, the Acid Archives, and Enjoy the Experience and Feel the of Music. But again, our Archivist by Ken Scott is the one that focuses specifically on the, the Christian music. If you're, if you're a little bit off-put by the whole message or you're into f- hearing the message, Either way, I think all these are worth listening to.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny how you differentiated between a cult and Jesus people. Um, <laughs> kind of slide right into each other. Uh, anyway, it, there's it, there's
1: it's it's a, it's a gray line that's for sure. <laughs> it
0: is, it is Charles Manson and Christ. <laughs> Uh, your wife isn't listening is she she might later you might even cut okay. this out you might need to make a that's special that's gonna be it ed- that will all be edited out okay i'm a, I'm a smooth editor <laughs> all right all right okay so the for the first private press episode we focused on songs that were legitimately great songs so- songs that may have just fallen through the cracks or never got to the right person at the right time or either of those things didn't, not, neither happened. While I was doing my research, I specifically talked about last week three books, uh, and Ryan mentioned them too. The Acid Archives, Enjoy the Experience, and Feel the Music. Last week, The Acid Archives was the book that I really was praising because what I wanted to talk about then were songs that were great and you could listen to them for the rest of your life. You could play those albums over and over and over. These people were incredibly sincere, like the ones R- uh, Ryan just talked about and played. It just didn't work out for them. But they were real people, um, as we've said over and over again. It's just a perfect phrase for them. They are—they put so much of themselves into these songs. For this episode, the book that I would focus on—that I focused on for this one—was the *Enjoy the Experience* book. So they also truly appreciate all of the music. But what they focus on are very, very good songs by more eccentric people, <laughs> and these are the kinds of songs that you'll just absolutely fall in love with. These songs—they're great but you're not gonna listen to them again. <laughs> or not very often. That's kind of what we're gonna what I was gonna just kinda of touch on a few of these artists today. Some of the the really good ones. They're absolutely wonderful, but they are things that are more creepy or oddball and Twilight Zone people. These are people who are as sincere and I'm not in any way trying to put them down. This is them. This is their personality and this is who they are going on and that's what makes these especially good is that you can tell there's no affect this is actually who these people are, and they took the time to make this music, uh, write the songs, come up with the instrumentation, usually the music, and then spend quite a bit of their money going in and making a few of these records. And the ones that are especially haunting, and haunting in more than one way, are, are kind of a few that I'm going to talk about here. Paul Major and another guy who's mentioned in a couple of these books named Jack Seitzman, they often talk about one particular guy named Jerry Rayson, who made one album called The Weird Thing in Town, and I think Paul Major called it like the craziest album anybody in New York has ever made, which is kind of a big big statement. He created his own kind of music called Rock (laughs) Buafro. Not even (laughs) sure what that means. This is an album that is... I can't, I can't even find a clip of it anywhere. Nothing about it. But I get, I've heard or read a lot of descriptions about it and it just sounds really bizarre. He's like using anything he can for instruments. He's screaming and ranting and raving all these songs <laughs> in a way that's supposed to actually be very good. Apparently there's a really loud song that's cacophonous and he's screaming again and he's yelling about all these bums outside making too much noise while well, he's probably making ten times the (laughs) amount of noise. God, I wish I could find that one.
6: (laughs) It's Jerry
0: Rayson. if If you have it, send it to me or make a copy. It's called The Weird Thing in Town. From what I've read, there's nothing else like it at all. So I mentioned also on the first show if I didn't edit it out that there's just about every kind of genre that you can find in private press and some genres you've never even heard of and a lot of those focus on lounge music and lounge singers because a lot of these records were pressed for people who play in supper clubs and and restaurants and this is how they could get their music out so they either they really liked playing that that kind of music and mixing in some other some other kinds of music in the background or they knew what their audience was, so their audience wanted lounge music, so they would bring in a little bit of prog, because maybe that's what they were listening to. So they had all these kind of new genres being made, and one of the, one of the bands that's most known for this is a band called the Kaplan Brothers, who released an album called Nightbird, which is very proggy, but also incredibly loungy. Uh, and it was in <laughs> 1976, and it, it is... I wish I could go to a supper club and see this. It's just a few guys playing these great covers, and it is just out there. So, it's so great. Go on to YouTube for all of the ones we're mentioning here, because they are they're wonderful. Another kind of loungy one, but maybe more Twilight zone is a band called the Lou Wows. It's two sisters. One of them's name has Lou in it. The other one has Wow in it somewhere. They use, like, a, a funeral parlor organ... And then lounge music, it just sounds horribly creepy, but but loungy. (laughs) And it's still, like, these are not things I'm trying to make fun of. They are really good, and these people were were incredibly sincere. And I actually, I really like a lot of this. But again, it's not something I'll pull out very often if I were to even get my hands on it.
1: There probably should be some more lounges in
0: funeral parlors. That seems like a natural... Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Why not? (laughs) Now... Before I go through the rest of them, the, the other five that I kind of want to briefly talk about here, I'm going to actually, I have clips for. Those first ones, I can find, um, I was able to find clips for the Luau's and the Kaplan Brothers. They're pretty easy to find and they're great. Um, but I'm going to play clips of these next few because they're a little bit on the odder side. More like that. <laughs> more like that Jerry Rayson. And they just kind of go well together, I think. So I'm going to go ahead and play those now.
5: We're going to do a dance in a song. The flip, flop, fly. When, when I say I flip, flip it. you flip. When I say flop, you flop. When I say fly, we'll, we'll all fly.
2: Flip, flop, fly. Flip, flop, fly. You flip, i flop. We'll both fly. Flip, flop, fly. Now you're my guy. Now let's all try to do the flip, flop, fly. A gold man go.
5: Telling you to get on The road to a real good time
3: and there's someone Go tiptoe Through the wolfbane Through the wolfbane Oh won't you come along And tiptoe Through the
4: wolfbane With me The bear came out of the north and met the dragon along the way. One kingdom comes and another goes, and the Russian buyer still grows. One kingdom comes and another goes, and the Russian buyer still grows. Rich man, poor man, great man, small man, call upon the strength of the Lord.
2: 'Cause that old Russian buyer isn't getting red in the Ward Nor that old Russian. i gonna pick her up in my day. She just like good old fashioned day. We're gonna go to the movie show. I do a
6: little neck and when the lights get low.
2: It's mm-hmm. like good old fashioned day. A
0: billion, a billion. Those five clips I'm going to go over now The first one is by a woman named Lucia Pamela uh, She's just an incredibly Weird lounge singer She sings about like being in space And what it would be like there But not in a way where she's wondering In a way that where she knows what it's like there <laughs> it's, she's she's been there and she's uh, knowledgeable and it's it's a little scary but it's also still really good uh the second and that song uh was called if you didn't if you didn't catch the title that song was called flip flop fly the second clip you heard was by a guy named well it was from a guy named Michael Farnetti and off of his album good morning kisses it's another one that's very hard to find in original i don't know if anybody could even possibly buy one now at this point. Collectors would have them and keep them, but it was reissued, as I just found out from some guy sitting across from me, on, uh, is it Companion Records? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you can go to Discogs and you can find a copy of it, or you can go to their website and get it. This guy's another loungy type guy, but he's super, super happy. It's just a kind of a disco-y. He's just like this super happy guy skipping his way through the the disco days of the late 70s, and he's he just loves everything he's never done drugs he doesn't drink he's just he wears rhinestones <laughs> and his songs are really fun. It's good to listen to It's almost got like a yacht rock disco
1: type thing it's like it's like a precursor of the of the free and easy eighties or something
6: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, the, the third clip was by a guy named Robbie the Werewolf. This is actually from one of the earliest private pressings that people know of. It's a very early one from 1964, and the album that he did this was called, uh, is from At the Whaleback, and the song is called Tiptoe Through the Wolfbane. This guy is more, has more of an affect than the others, though he also is sort of, he's just a weird dude too. So he's sort of like a, a hepcat. Uh, like Maynard G. Krebs combined with Teen Wolf. He does this in full garb. He's got this big beard and he pretends on stage that he is a werewolf. And the album cover is one of the best album covers I've ever seen. We should post a, a picture of all of these. They're all really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fourth track is by a band named The Carillions. Uh, the song is called uh, Russian Bear. The guy who wrote the song is named Marlon Wallace. And this guy is absolutely insane. He might actually be a maniac. He's crazy. Um I sort of feel bad for him because he has issues, but we got the music. Some of his songs are very religious. A lot of his songs are anti-communist songs. He's got songs about dinosaurs. He's got songs about abominable snowmen going to space, of course, who doesn't? He is just on the edge of being absolutely bonkers. And he's got a lot of releases, and they're all very, very good, but I wouldn't ever want to be within 100 yards of him. <laughs> and then the fifth clip was by a guy named Jerry Solomon who comes up quite a bit when you're looking around at these private press records. He's, he is someone that's kind of on the border between the last episode being good songs that you could listen to a lot and this episode where I think these are great songs. But I won't listen to him as often. He is an absolutely genuine eccentric. There's just nothing fake about this guy. This is exactly who he is. He's a he's a weird guy, but uh, he was also in, supposedly he's incredibly lovable, very kind, affable dude. Uh, his albums usually had like hand-drawn covers. Also, again, nearly impossible to find. I didn't see anything about them them being reissued. Did you? Okay, I, I haven't either. seen okay. anything about it. Generally, his songs seem to deal with nostalgia, like he's really big into the 50s, kind of this fake Donna Reed 50s. So his songs are about acting chivalrous in the 50s, going on your first date. And the song that I played was called Good Old Fashioned Date. Uh, They're just, Eddie Sings songs about not being able to fit in anymore in this modern world. Just isn't his thing. The album that this is from is called Past the 20th Century. It looks like he has other albums, but I can't find much evidence as far as uh, what might be on them and what they sound like. His singing style is Mm -hmm. really weird. It's like Leonard Cohen swallowed a didgeridoo. (laughs) It is just so strange, but it's also sort of hypnotic. That is one of the ones that I will probably listen to quite a bit, and the only one of these that I'll probably listen to a lot. I'll listen to all of these a few times over the next few months because I'm absolutely obsessed with these private press records. Uh, But this one I'll probably listen to I will continue to listen to after I find my next obsession.
1: He 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 does skirt that line between so weird and so good, and the the singing in particular is great. I don't want to like use David Lynch as a in general as something that we talk about, but I think David Lynch wants to be this guy in his musical approach, as far as like the reverb he uses in his voice, and the, it's like nothing I've ever heard. He has a song on that feel the music compilation too that paul major did with that book i think it's called denied they're very pretty songs like they're not i mean they're pretty they're they're nice they're pleasant but they
0: are bizarre beyond those five and those five clips and the first few guys i talked about there's one guy that comes up over and over and over again and his name is peter peter grudzian the album that most people talk about is called unicorn and it's from 1974 that has been reissued as well on Subliminal Sounds on LP and in 2007 and then 2006 on a label called Radioactive. So it's not too difficult to find. It's really weird, too. This guy seems pretty great. He's got some really cool songs. They are strange. One description that Paul Major had for Peter Grunzian is Johnny Cash and Gandalf the Grey drop acid and meet under the altar to discuss religion while performing weird sex acts. <laughs> that's what he sounds like and he is unbelievable if you get a chance to hear any of his stuff um, at first when you hear it you're going to think it's a novelty album and then it's going to sort of seep in and you're going to realize it's a good album too
1: I know we're like going through a million artists but if you find one song that becomes like one of your new favorite songs that's exactly what this podcast is about like and it's just been so these two episodes have been so fun for Joe and I because every day we're pushing something back and forth to each other like have you heard this what should we post online? You know, all that stuff. So it's just so fun
0: with private press records. It's like rediscovering why you like music a little bit. It's like stumbling into a universe where the, all the music is something you've never heard. It's only right. all new music.
1: All right. Uh, I think it's time for some full-length songs. I'm in
5: love. What's that song?
1: I'm in love. the first song. And of course, I'm going to have to give you a, uh, a Christian Christian rock song here. This is probably, and Joe can back me up on this, this is probably the best regarded Christian psych album there is. The name of the band is The Search Party, and this song is called The News Is You. So we'll listen to it and uh, talk about it. So this is a uh, super rare private press Christian record that came out in in 1969. Again, the band was called The Search Party. The song is The News Is You. And it's on an album called Montgomery Chapel. Like I said, it came out in 69 on Century Records. This is kind of one of those Holy Grail records that people kind of look for original copies. It's sort of hard to describe because in a lot of ways, to me, it sounds like two records. There's this weird, moody, ethereal, haunting vocals. Um, with some real downer loner folk type lyrics, combined in that is just some crazy fuzzy garagey shrieking songs like the one I just played. I played more of a fuzzy one, and the story of this uh, record is great. Uh, a middle-aged preacher, like a forty-year-old preacher from Wisconsin named Reverend Nick Freund, Freund, he decided to leave for San Francisco. In the late 60s when it was happening down there. He recruited some students who were in a garage band to basically play all the instruments on this record that he'd been writing and conceptualizing. What came out is this just strange but fantastic psych record. It uh, has been reissued a couple times recently on Lion Production uh, and they tend to put out a lot of this uh, Christian Psych stuff. I have it on a, a compilation called Holy Fuzz, which is by that Lion Production Company, which is all Christian psych. It really focuses on like the hard rock and fuzzy guitar, and there's lots of those bands, and a lot of them put out just fantastic music. If I was going to guide you to start with one record, uh, and it's I mean, it's evangelical, you're gonna you're gonna hear the the Christian lyrics and themes, but it's just a really great great record. Uh, So I would start with this one the search party Montgomery Chapel worth it the whole way through. It's not a perfect record There's times where it kind of drags. There's times when the singer is just a student who's in a garage band she's not a professional singer, but
0: You got to hear it. My first song is by a guy named Palmer Rocky. I'm gonna go ahead and play it now It's called smile pretty baby Wait. That was a song called Smile Pretty Baby by Palmer Rocky. This guy has a story that is unbelievable. He was in LA and he moved to Dallas because he wanted to make a movie that he'd been dreaming about his whole life. And he didn't have any money. So he would build these rich older women, these uh, women with lots and lots of money in Dallas, um, out of their money. So he would have affairs with them and, and whatever whatever he needed to do to get their money. And then when he got money from any of them, he would shoot another scene of his movie. This took him a long time. So, and he had lots of breaks between getting this money. Some of the movie's in color, some of it's in black and white, which is not an artistic decision. It's an economic one. The actors didn't want to stick around. So we had different actors playing the same roles. There's a dog in it that is supposed to be the same age throughout, but you get somebody noticeably older. <laughs> <laughs> the That's movie, so the movie had one showing only. It was supposed to have another one, but it it didn't. And Palmer Rocky immediately left town before that ever even happened. See, maybe he was embarrassed. I don't know. One of the guys who collects these private press records uh, tried to track him down. Found him somehow. They didn't find him, but found his contact information and sent him a very nice letter saying, "Hey, you know he." He described it as saying, I wrote a letter to him, and I wanted to show him very much that I wasn't trying somebody trying to get my money back from him. I I just happened to like his album. And the response from Palmer Rocky was something like, do not ever bother me again. I don't want to talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) And then at the bottom of that was his address and phone (laughs) number. You don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Oh, man. This guy is crazy. This guy is so great. He's got lounge music in it, rockabilly, he croons. He's, he's clearly never sung a note in his life, but this is the soundtrack to that movie that nobody will ever see. The movie, by the way, I don't think I even mentioned the title. It's called Scarlet Love. That was my first song. My second song is a little bit more upbeat, and it's another, this one is another song that I can actually listen to quite a bit, though it is um, also a little bit goofy. It's by a guy named Lee Shot Williams. He was a Chicago guy who put out a lot of singles in the 50s and 60s, or 60s, sorry, 60s and early 70s. And in 1977, he put out his first LP, and the name of the LP is Country Disco. And this song is called Me and My Woman. That was 1977's classic Me and My Woman from Lee Shot Williams album Country Disco. It's got great musicians, it's a really nice kind of funk disco album with a banjo in it. Which is which works really well, I think. Um it's just damned odd. The cover itself is Lee Shot Williams on one side of a horse's butt, so the the horse's butt is facing us, the viewer. And there's Lee looking right at us, and on the other side of the horse is this woman, and they're both got their hips going in like their uh, rump shaking the butt, the horse's butt. It's it's great.
1: All right, my last song is a band called Top Drawer, and this song is called "Song of a Sinner."
5: Them. And yes, I know it's too late Cause on your judgment day you're gonna close your gates On me On me On me And I'll be left here on my own To face hell all alone got to understand, that I'm just twenty and a rebel young man, and it's hard to touch a state of mind, but I could see you and still be blind, and yet I ask to be forgiven, Knowing the life that I've been living And yes, I know it's too late Cause on your judgment day you're gonna close your gates On me On me on me, and I'll be left here on my own oh, 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 to face hell all alone. I ask to be forgiven Knowing the life that I've been living And yes, I know it's too late Cause on your judgment day You're gonna close your gates on me On me On me And I'll Be left here On my own To face hell All alone
1: All Alright, that was Song of a Sinner Uh, The band is Top Drawer And that is from a private press record Called Solid Oak That was released on Wishbone Wishbone Records 1969 No E on that bomb. This is not a Christian band But this song is one of the greatest Christian style songs there is It's just such a cool song Oscillating organ And the creepy drum beat And heavy fuzz And this guy sort of pleading to God To not send him to hell Even though, yeah, I'm probably going to go to hell anyway but Anyways, it's just a fantastic song that album solid oak was one of the early early private press records that people caught on to and wanted to collect and it was it is a big deal there's not a ton known about the band it was recorded in kentucky at fulton recording studio and it was just, you know, sort of like uh, Dr. Hooker, one of those. It kind of caught on fire with collectors early on, you know, people who were in the know and people kind of tried to find copies of them. There's not a lot of copies around. It got a little bit more popular because uh, it got reissued by Akarma Records, which you talked about last time in, in 1980. I have the song on this amazing comp called forge your own chains heavy psych ballads and dirges from 1968 to 1974. really great compilation has a lot of these private press records i kind of looked to see how much an original copy of this would be there's one in horrible condition and it's going for 750 dollars. i want to know what the answers to these trivia questions are let me play the clips one more time Um, i'm in particular looking for the band And then the theme that holds all six clips together. Here we go. Track one.
0: Track one, I think, is Radiohead.
1: That's correct. Radiohead. you know song? No, I don't. Exit music from film.
0: Uh, song two is The Black Angels. Mm-hmm. And the song is Young Dead Men. Third song? I think it's Madness, but I never... It is. Heard. Is it One Step Beyond? It is. Good job. Okay. okay. Now, tracks four and five... Four, track four, I know, and I just can't think of it. And track five, I don't know. So okay. What's, what's track four? Track
1: four is Spoon.
0: That's... Oh, I was even going to guess Spoon. Dang, man. Yep, Mabit.
1: and um, the song is called You Got Your Cherry Bomb. Track five is Judas Priest, and the song is Living After Midnight. Okay,
0: and track six is the old '97. Correct. So Victoria. Know. Victoria. Oh, okay. I love that. I, I like, okay. I like my I of bet songs. you got the theme, though. I didn't get the theme. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's based on the album, uh, the band names? Based on the band name. I'll go through
1: them one more time. Radiohead. Black Angels Madness Spoon Judas Priest and Old
0: 97s or give me a hint um it sounds like it's probably really easy and I'm just overthinking it right? you are said it. okay it, it has to do with other bands
1: they're all anagrams
0: of other bands no <laughs> <laughs> I started as soon as you said that 97 that doesn't work <laughs> Um, that has to do with other bands Where they got their name Oh, all their names come from songs Yeah, yeah Oh, uh, okay, okay, that's great
1: Radiohead is a Talking Heads song Black Angels got theirs from the Velvet Underground Black Angel Death Uh song Madness is a Prince Buster song Uh, Spoon, they got that from the Can song, Spoon Judas Priest is from Bob Dylan
0: And Old 97's is from the, you know, Old Country song I didn't know about three and four. I didn't know Madness and Spoon were from songs. Oh, Okay, well, yeah, so we we all learned something something. exactly, and then and you got to learn what Johnny the Richmond's name is when there's an anagram. (laughs) Monarch Hat Ninja. I remembered Hat Ninja. I couldn't remember Monarch. (laughs) What was the Bruce Springsteen
1: one again? Cubescent Ringers. Oh man, I think. I think that I was totally unprepared for that quiz. I want I want you to do another one of those very soon, and I think I'm going to get them all. Like I
0: said, they've got they're pretty easy to make.
1: You use a computer program for that?
0: Yes. I'm not, <laughs> if I use my head, I, there's no way I would have come up with any of that. My anagram for Lou Reed would have been Oulier. <laughs> Mine would be Dear Olu. <laughs>
1: All right, well that's the end of our show. As always, uh, go out and support record shops, and go see music if you can do that, and buy records from people. Uh, you're helping out, and uh, maybe go find some private press records. We are gonna move on from private press shows. I think we need to we need to go ahead and get back into some other stuff, uh, even
0: though it's gonna be hard to get off that train. We might come back to it again. It's just so easy. Like this is it's so much fun, so easy to get obsessed. It's it's very much like heroin to me it's not as great as heroin but (laughs) don't get me wrong but it's but it's pretty addictive so we might come back to this at some point
1: yeah and and again we are by no means experts but gosh it's fun and we hope we introduced you some some new stuff or, or you know go find stuff let us know what you what you find
0: like our facebook page please if you can uh if you do like the show go to Go to iTunes and, and give us a, a review, a decent one, if you don't mind, because that will help more people see it. Anyways,
1: we will uh, see you next time. Day
3: it's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football